1: And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap, so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. Hey guys, it's Jill. So I did something I've never done before with this show, and I took... An episode from another show, and I brought it over here. And the reason is because I was asked to be a guest on the Marriage, Money, and Mayhem podcast, which is a great podcast by Kara Ayala, K-A-R-A-A-Y-A-L-A. Please, please go find her on Instagram and go find the podcast and check it out. Obviously, it's helpful when you subscribe to podcasts and when you leave ratings and reviews. If that feels aligned, I know she would appreciate that. But she was a great host, and we had a great conversation. And there are people who have listened to that episode and told me that they really liked it. And I myself was like, you know what? There's a lot I shared here that I've never shared with my own audience. I've been doing this podcast, BU Podcast, for two and a half years, and there are things I shared there that I have not shared with you. And I thought, you know what? What if I took that conversation and I brought it over here to you? So I asked her if that was okay. And she said, yes. So this is, I think, about 48 minutes long. And it's our conversation about marriage, money, and mayhem. But I go into depth about several things. One, if you've already heard about my juicy exit from network marketing, I tell that story because she asks. If you haven't heard that, you know, it's definitely insightful. And I learned a lot about myself in that process. So I talk about that. I talk about parenting. I talk about things that I regret as a mother, like screaming and yelling at my kids when they were little, like, and what I figured out about where that came from. You know, what did that mean about my trauma that I had not really even recognized was still living in me and how I fixed that, like really pulled the weed out by the roots instead of just putting some weed killer on it. We talked about marriage, relationship, what I learned working with a very, very well-known relationship coach for a year, what that did for our relationship, what I learned about myself. Oh, my gosh. But we talk a lot also about childhood trauma. We talk about somatics, mindset work. It's really, really great. So I hope you enjoy it. And again, please go find her podcast because she was so generous to share this with you, Marriage, Money, and Mayhem by Kara Ayala. I do believe that God will bring us the most beautiful gifts wrapped in the worst wrapping paper, like razor blades, mouse traps, dog poop on fire. Like it's awful. But inside can be the most transformative, beautiful gift. It's are you willing to go through the cuts and
0: the shit and all that to open it. Welcome to Marriage Money and Mayhem. I'm your host, Kara Ayala. I've spent the past 22 years scaling businesses and building multiple streams of income, all while raising a family with my husband. I grew up believing that you could only choose one, a big career or a strong and fulfilling family life. I'm happy to say you don't. You don't have to sacrifice one to have the other. This podcast is where my guests and I will share our real life experiences of how we've grown businesses while creating strong relationships with the people we love the most. We'll dive into ways you can be a magnet for the career and relationships you feel called to create. It's about you being able to show up fully as yourself to create wealth within your business, spirituality, and relationships. It's about growing through the messy, the fun, and the uncomfortable to reach new heights of success and connection because you actually can have it all. Welcome to Marriage, Money & Mayhem. I'm so excited today. I got introduced to my guest today, Jill Herman, by my good friend, Kara. And uh, immediately she sent me a voice note and we just connected so deeply so quickly. She's just one of those people that right when you meet her, and I think this is why her podcast "Be You" has done so well. It's because she is just an open book, and she shares so freely all of her life experiences. And I'm just really excited. She's a trauma informed coach. Her podcast is what was is it in top 100? Uh-huh. Am I correct? Okay, yeah, That's right. it has been from the beginning, which is just really impressive. And I'm really excited to just dive into some really fun topics today with you. So thank you for being here today.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. I'm genuinely excited. I'm grateful. To be here, I told you I'm a little nervous because I'm usually in the other seat, but I am learning to embrace like receiving,
0: and I appreciate you having me on and sharing me with your audience. Yeah, I'm so excited. I think that everybody listening is going to love your podcast, so make sure you go tune into her podcast because after you listen to this and you hear our conversation, I think you're going to fall in love with her. I don't actually know a lot about you, right? So we just barely met. But I would love to hear about your journey. I know like you've had a big transition the last couple of years and what that looked like for you. If you could kind of dive into that a little bit, I think that would be an interesting way to start this. Sure. Personal background quickly is
1: that I am married and I have a blended family and we have five kids and a surprise grandchild. So we our kids are 24, just turned 23 today, uh, 21 Just turned 20 on Tuesday and 18. So three girls and two boys. And then our oldest had a baby a few years ago. And actually, I'm 51 and raising him with her. So until a year ago, he was in my home and I was the other parent uh, because she's on her own. So we have a three-year-old grandson who's like another kid to me. Professionally, my backgrounds, it seems very disjointed, but I'm sure if God were looking down, it'd be like, obviously the dots all connect but I was a um, an ICU nurse. I was a neonatal intensive care nurse and a cardiac nurse. And then I got into network marketing. Some people call it direct sales, MLM. I always say they're all cousins. They're pretty similar. And I uh, built a pretty large business doing that over the course of 13 years. And I had a really, really juicy exit. If you want to go into that, we can. But I, I did sell my business, but the underpinnings of that was I was forced to sell it while I had actually been hoping to get out for two years and was afraid to leave. So that was now almost three years ago. And just about eight weeks after that, I started my podcast. I honestly, Kara, I didn't listen to podcasts. I wasn't cool enough to even know that podcasts were cool. I had heard of them. I heard my husband listening to them. And I felt this like overwhelming but not even desire, like overwhelming call, I would say to have one. I was like, this is so weird. Why would I do that? Maybe I just don't know what to do. And it's going to be like a journal for me. And so I, I started it and yeah, I got it a few emails about this top 100 thing and I didn't know what it meant and truly just blew it off because I didn't believe it anyway. I didn't understand it. And then I came across someone a year later who had grown the Aubrey Marcus podcast. And he was offering to do some work with me. And he said, you know, your podcast not only was top 100 by month five, but it was in entrepreneurship, which is the most competitive and largest category. And I still didn't believe it because I'm like, who the hell is listening <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I've been doing that now for a couple of years. I love it. And believe it or not, that's all I do. Like I was all about the hustle and attaining goals and smashing goals and working, 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 working. And now um, my kids are almost all out of the house and I talk into my microphone once a week and I have chickens and I am with my grandchild and
0: I have a very slow paced life right now. Oh my gosh. I love that. And I think people listening might, you know, we talk about all kinds of things on this podcast, right? Like family, business, entrepreneurship, and, you know, my guests range from somebody who is like a major hustler. And I think this message is so refreshing the way that you're, you're living your life today. And I think people are really craving that slowdown, So I would love to kind of, if, you, if you're open to it, kind of say your juicy exit. When you said that, I was like, yes, we want to hear that because, you know, I think, you know, so many times we're, I think entrepreneurship is so glamorized mm-hmm. and, you know, it's made to look like that it's this like just really sexy lifestyle and actually it can cause a lot of damage too. So I love to talk about the other side of it too and what that looks like. So if you're open to it, I'm into that. So you certainly don't need a plug from me.
1: But I want to share with you that I, this is why I love networking and what we're doing right now, because, you know, obviously, if something's meant to come into your awareness, it will come into your awareness. Obviously, if you're meant to attract something, I get that. And, you know, we also have to help that along a little bit. You can't just sit back on your couch and meditate and everything falls in your lap, right? So I remember speaking with my, another friend, Kara, who was on my show. And I said, you know, it's hard for me to say this out loud, but in this new year, I really want to embrace like owning that I have a story. I have a lot to share. It's not just, you know, me talking to other people. Is there a podcast that you love that you think I might be a fit for? And she mentioned yours. I had never heard of your podcast. And this is what's interesting, right? Everyone listening is like, how have you never heard of it? I just hadn't. And I love it. I love it. Yeah. I listened to a few episodes the past couple of days and I do love the variety and you are speaking to so so many women who are probably secretly struggling while they're succeeding. Yeah. And so speaking to that, I know some of what I say you may not be able to relate to, but I feel like much of what I say, even if the details are different, many of you will be able to relate to. And that is wherever you are in your journey of the, you know, in that hyper-masculine hustle, it's pretty common now. I think most people are aware now. Most women are like, oh, maybe I don't need to do that or maybe it's okay not to. I still feel like we don't talk about th- why we do it though. Like, yeah. you know, like it's okay. To, it's good to understand cognitively. Okay. I've learned about masculine and feminine. I get that it's not good for me to hustle and grind. I get that I don't have to, but my body has not figured out how to not want to. Yeah. My body hasn't figured out how to be okay with not doing it. I've learned it all, but why do I still feel guilty when I rest or why do I still feel uncomfortable when, when I'm not doing a lot? And so my last couple of years has been a deep exploration of why did I have that need? Why was I doing that? And how do I get that out of me and get to the really uncomfortable part of what the fuck do I do? Like, I don't like it when it's quiet. I don't like when I don't have a to-do list. So going back to my exit, there was a reason I shared that. Going back to my exit, prior to the exit, I was truly at first hustling and achieving goals out of a complete and utter need. Like you know, so I was a registered nurse. My ex-husband battled severe addiction and battled it, and and I say this with no judgment. Especially if someone listening battles addiction, deals with it, dances with it. You know, there are some people who choose to walk into the eye of the storm and face it, and some people don't. And either way is no judgment. But my, I'm sharing that my ex didn't choose to ever face it. He wasn't willing to ever get help. So that was pretty difficult, as you can imagine. I had three children. Dealing with that, working three jobs as a nurse, and then I got into network marketing, and that was my saving grace. Uh-huh. You know, if you have, if that stings a little bit or it's a trigger, I get it. The industry can be weird. It also can be great. Forget the industry. A career fell into my lap that I realized this is going to be the way I get myself out of this marriage. I get myself out of debt. I get my freedom. I get like, and what I didn't realize, Kara, is that. All of my wounds of needing to be loved and needing to be accepted and perfectionism, all that stuff, like, was on steroids all of a sudden. Like, it fed into everything I didn't even, I swear to you, I did not know I was running from. I had no idea that I, I was totally blind to myself. I was unconscious, as they say. You know, the cool could say unconscious. So, I was very unconscious and unaware. And this is leading up to the exit. There's a reason I'm telling you the details. And so... It wasn't just that there's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong. I want to make sure we don't get into the hole. I know you don't teach this, thank goodness, but there are coaches out there. All of our Instagram is like, hey, everybody should be so in their feminine and you just sit back and you have your cacao. And like, no, you got to fucking work. You don't have to do something. You can't just yeah. like sit around, and right? So I'm certainly not saying that, but I was in like, I would call it like the toxic, you know, overdrive all the time in what we call fight or flight you know, hyper aroused as, as they say, you know, so constantly working, constantly achieving. And the business rewarded that as business and society does. The money was the reward. The attention was the reward. It was an escape and a numbing from my painful marriage. And so I became obsessed, obsessed. Like Kara, I never turned my phone off. I was never off. But again, I was rewarded for that. I got pats on the head. I got I was speaking in front of 10,000 people. I was the it girl. I felt pretty confident when normally I was pretty insecure. I could go on and on and on and I won't, but essentially it was like feeding the beast and there was no end. And I remember there was a point, gosh, this makes me want to cry when I hear it. Think about it. But my son, George, who's now 18, he might've been six, seven, something like that. I was putting him to bed the way I normally did. And I I get a so-and-so throw a tomato me at me because this is how I was every night with my kids. And I hated admitting it. But I was like, hurry up, get in bed. I got to get on a call. Love you, love you, bye-bye. Got to get on a call. Every night. Yeah. Every night. Um, But because I needed the money and I wanted to get out, I justified it. So my son stopped and he grabbed my arm. And he goes, Mama, can we please... There is a product XYZ. We'll call it product X. Can we just take X and not sell it anymore, please? Mm. And you would have thought that would have been my rock bottom. Nope. I said, oh, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. Bye. you <laughs> <I> ran downstairs. <laughs> and I got on another Zoom. So that went on and, on and on and on and on and on for many years. 10 years more. Wow. And I kept growing, kept achieving, et cetera. And about two years before the exit we're talking about, I was remarried. I still had not discovered like body work, somatics, trauma, any of that. I was still all about mindset, mindset, and teaching people all about mindset and affirmations and drink your kale smoothie and all that stuff. And I remember standing in my kitchen and saying to my husband, "I don't want to do this anymore." And I didn't remember it coming out of like, how did that come out of my mouth? It's like my body, my soul was saying it. I I don't want to do this anymore. And he's like. I go, no, not you. (laughs) My career. He was like, what? What? Because I was so obsessed with it. And I said, I can't do it anymore. It's not me. I don't like it anymore. I'm being suffocated. So it's almost, Kara, I don't, I feel like it's almost like my wounds in the past. It was all coming up and and smothering me. It's like I was finally drowning in what I had created. And I just felt suffocated is the word. But yet, imagine the guilt. I make great money and providing for my family. I've helped all these people. I have this big team. I'm going to disappoint everybody. So I said it and then I swallowed it and stuffed it down. And he was like, Phew. and we moved on. Maybe a year later, we were watching the Elton John movie. And there was a point where Elton John is coming out as far as his sexuality. Imagine just living like closeted and you're not yourself. And he, I don't even remember the words, but basically he was just finally saying, And all of a sudden tears rolled down my face and I looked at my husband. I will never forget this. And I grabbed his arm and I looked and I go, I'm done. I'm quitting X, whatever the company was. And he just looked at me and I go, I'm not kidding. And I just, the emotions, it's like, it's like I felt the freedom of the character in the movie and I wanted that so badly. Like I just wanted to breathe. I didn't give a shit about money anymore. I didn't care about achievement anymore. I just wanted to live my life, enjoy my husband, be a mom. Maybe I'd work. Maybe I wouldn't. I maybe, I, but I didn't want that anymore. And then another year went by. So, because you know how you know how it goes, and whatever people's beliefs are, I know I'm not trying to be politically correct because I actually don't like political correctness. But I am an inclusive, (laughs) right, right. But but probably like you, I'm an inclusive, kind person. People think that people who don't like political correctness are unkind and they're not inclusive. Opposite. I just don't want to be forced to use certain terms and be shamed for certain terms. So, but I am inclusive. So I, it doesn't matter to me what you call your God, whatever you worship, whatever that divine force is, whatever the name is for you, insert that word. I will tell you that, I do believe that God will bring us the most beautiful gifts wrapped in the worst wrapping paper, like razor blades, mousetraps, dog poop on fire. Like, it's awful. But inside can be the most transformative, beautiful gift. Are you willing to go through the cuts and the shit and all that to open it? And I had had some pretty shitty stuff in my life. I could could tell you a whole different story of the tragic childhood of Jill and the stuff I went through, right? But even without that, you and I both know whether it's getting dumped or getting fired or whatever, it's usually a gift, right? It's always a gift. So not to spiritually bypass, but so I remember asking God like out loud, help me get out of this. I can't do this anymore. No offense to my sweet husband, but he's not really listening to me. He's afraid we can't pay our bills, if I don't, whatever. I literally, I'm dying at this point, I, but I'm also afraid to disappoint everybody. What do I do? And I remember meeting someone you know named Lindsay Schwartz. And Lindsay Schwartz, only mastermind i ever... I didn't know what masterminds were. You're going to laugh. I didn't know what coaches were. I didn't know what masterminds were. I didn't use Instagram. Not kidding. I had gotten on Instagram, saw a clip of her. I'm like, oh, she looks cool. Oh, she's safe. She's not in my network marketing world. I joined her mastermind and on a call like this, we're on a Zoom. She said something to me. She said, you know, Joan, I hear how miserable you are and I know you want out. God had to burn my business to the ground to get my attention. And again, because I'm such a good listener, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, that's not going to happen to me, but okay. And that's exactly what happened. Literally, I do feel that God brought her into my life to say, get ready, put your seatbelt on because we're burning the mother effort to the ground. I was the it girl and all that, right? Oh, it was the worst. I mean, it wasn't like I walked away and gave my notice and kicked everybody to the curb and oh, no. I was thrown out like the trash, Kara. I mean, it was the quick background is I was smelling some things. You know, certain people, there's no better than, but certain people are are more receptive and perceptive. And I've always been that way. Why? Usually it's linked to trauma. People who have lots of trauma. I know you know this. Someone listening may not know this, that when you have a lot of trauma, you're on hyper arousal and you're always scanning for danger. So you can see and smell anything. Like if if I met Kara's husband for the first time, and then I saw him again three months later, I would know if he got a haircut. Like, I don't miss anything. And I used to think that, oh, I got this gift. Okay, it's called trauma.
0: It's a trauma <laughs> response. So I actually have never heard that. I've never heard that a trauma, a trauma response. I love yeah, that. Yeah, so some people, so so I shouldn't say for everyone,
1: but many of us who are like that, it's because when we were a child, the only way to feel safe was to always know what's going on in scanning my environment, What is that person doing? What does their body language say? Are they going to hurt me? What's going to happen next? So I was always like that. And I went into it. It's with me to adulthood. I don't miss anything. I'm not in that hyper route state anymore. So I'm not scared. I'm not thinking something's going to happen to me. But I do notice that I'll never know. I will never miss detail. If that picture back there were off a millimeter, I would have, I would notice it. And it's not OCD. It's just, it's scanning your environment for safety. So. I was noticing things, perceiving things, but intuition is very, all of us have it, but I'm very tapped into mine. And I want to say that again, because a lot of people think that they have a gift that other people don't have. That person is so intuitive. Listen, ladies, you're all intuitive. It's just, are you willing to tap into it, clear out your vessel and listen? Because all of us have it. I'm very tapped into mine. Like people say that I'm like this, this is the thing three people in the last like three months have said to me, Cara, that I'm like. Like, I just can feel things. And I, it's not, I wouldn't call it a gift. It's its something we all have. So Mm -hmm. I uh, I would call it a tool, maybe. Yeah, great information. So I was smelling things. I was noticing things about the company I was working with. Things were off. The picture was off. The body language was different. And as you could probably tell from my talking nonstop since I've been on here, I started talking about it. I went to my colleagues and I said, are you noticing that picture's off? Is it just me? Are you... No malintent, just like saying something's off. It's almost like going to your siblings and saying something going off mom and dad. Basically, that's what I was doing. Mom and dad was the company. Well, they got wind of it because I had a lot of followers because I was the it girl. Right. That's why I told you all that stuff, because I was the one to follow, because everybody trusted me. Because what? Why did people trust me? Not because I was this high achiever. People trusted me in that company because I told the effing truth. I would get up on the stage in front of 8000 people and say, here's the deal. I don't have notes. I just ironed my dress right before I get out here. And unlike all of you health nuts, I just had a Coke. Like, that's why people trusted me. So here's the problem. When you put someone on stage and everyone trusts them, they better not find out your secrets. And I started finding out some secrets. And so I started sharing with some friends. And no exaggeration, they snuffed me out like in the movies, except they didn't kill me. Like, it was like, I got a phone call. We are buying your business. You don't have a choice. You've got like 12 hours to make a decision. You either sign a non-compete and you get this check from us or you don't sign a non-compete and you get nothing. And I'm like, uh, and Ow. they really had me. I look back at the contract I signed 13 years earlier when I was the desperate nurse and they saved my life. I signed my life away on there. They can buy your business at any time. So that was my exit two and a half years ago. It was that Swift the most painful thing, and this can happen in any career, right? They're not staining the, nit- the the industry by saying this. Any career, this can happen. They then started tarnishing my name because think about it. If everyone likes me and everyone listens to me and I'm a truth teller, they don't want me saying anything. So that it was, Jill's not well. Jill was having a nervous breakdown. Jill's mirror just falling apart. Jill went to a different company and started recruiting everybody away from us. And so it was really hard. I lost people I thought were my friends, People I'd poured into for 13 years. I was
0: alone and it was hard. It was really, really, really hard. Wow. I mean, I just can't even imagine. I think, you know, if anybody's listening, you're so right that this can happen in a career. I think we saw it during COVID. People's, you know, even if you owned your own business being shut down. And I've heard so many stories of people being in a career for years and years and then all of a sudden it disappears. So, I think this can happen in any kind of career. And that's why it's so important that we don't attach so much of our identity into something like that. But something that you were talking about body and the somatic versus the mindset, you had done all the mindset work, which I think is very common. Can you touch on that a little bit about Mm -hmm. what that means for people who are listening, who are like, what do you mean the body part? Because everybody knows mindset, right? Like, let's get a personal development book. Let's work on our minds. But our mind might know something, but that doesn't mean that our body knows that thing
1: absolutely and i love that you are informed in this too cuz i've listened to you and all of us are getting to this whatever information it is when we're meant to i was late to the party i'm 51 i learned this stuff at 48 40 so so years and years of talk therapy with a a therapist with two phd's by the way this wasn't just like someone at a in a strip mall and this dude was very informed also taught Course in Miracles. Like he was he was the dude. Never heard of body work, never heard the word somatic, never heard of breath work, never even heard the word trauma. No, none of that. And so I was in talk therapy for years and did a lot of mindset work, as you said. So I did everything from personal development courses where I was jumping off of telephone poles and I was writing my own obituary, sitting in a a cemetery and I was role-playing and I did Tony Robbins and walked on the hot coals and all the stuff, all the Rachel Hollis stuff and the affirmations. And I will say this again, I'm not saying this to be politically correct. The truth is that stuff helps. It's awesome. Yes. It's awesome. Again, no offense. I'm going to, I'm going to say a name and this may sh- trigger some people or shock them. Um, but I want to be clear. I'm not criticizing someone like Mel Robbins. I mean, amazing and. It's all mindset. It's very masculine. It's all... It's helpful. Yes. I freaking follow her. I hear her and I'm like, yep, you're right. And you've probably heard this before if you haven't. Today's the day. Your body keeps the score. There's a book called The Body Keeps the Score. Your body is literally a living library that files away experience after experience after experience from childhood physically in your body. When I heard that, I'm like, what are you freaking talking about? I was a nurse. I'm like, what is it in my armpit? Like, what do you mean in my body? It's really hard to grasp the concept, I think. But these experiences that we have, there's something called intrinsic memories and extrinsic memories. So the intrinsic memories happen either before your age, before the age of two, before that part of your brain is developed that can actually remember something, or it's a memory that is just so painful your mind's like, you cannot remember this, and I will store this away in your body, okay? Then extrinsic memories are, I consciously remember this. When I was five, my dad did this, okay? So all that stuff gets gets stored away and filed away in our bodies, but it's a protective mechanism. So for years of me doing mindset work, you know, again, it was valuable. I heard of Jim Rohn and Les Brown, and it challenged me like, Flip the script and think more positively and don't be a victim. And that really changed my life. So no dissing on that, but it can only take you so far. It can only, that's just like cardio can only take you so far. Like at some point you've got to pick up a weight. At some point you've got to like be flexible. You can't just lift weights. Right. So I took mindset work as far as it could go. And I'm not saying I was like, Oh, great at mindset work. And I was the best. I'm saying I took it as far as it could go. And then, again, God, whatever you believe in, brought in a coach for my husband and I. We just wanted to like amp up our marriage and make it better. And I know you and your husband do that for people. We were not struggling. I would tell you if we were. We weren't struggling. We just wanted to make sure second marriage, statistics aren't great, going through a ton, daughter gets pregnant. I mean, there was a lot going on. My daughter openly shares this, so I'm okay saying that she was using drugs. It was hard stuff. So we found this amazing relationship slash marriage coach. He was trauma informed, super knowledgeable in this stuff. And he's the one who said to me, Jill, that's because you're so, you're so detached from your body. And again, I was like, what? The fuck? And I didn't say anything because I didn't want to look stupid. And I'm like, detached from my body. He assumed I knew what that meant. And then later I said, okay, here's the deal. And I encourage every woman to do this. Be the one that raises your hand. Love. I was like, I got on telegram. I'm like, here's the deal. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I don't know what you mean by detached from my body. I don't know what you mean by get into my body. Please inform. I can (laughs) really, Yeah, please. And so that's when I started understanding what you just asked. Like the difference between mindset work and body work is that the body can inform us, teach us. There's all this wisdom in our body that is not in our brain, right? Our body is holding onto a lot of stuff. And our body can also hold lots of pleasure and joy and abundance. I know it sounds so woo-woo and weird that the mind cannot. And so when we work on the body, somatically, it's called soma means body, in releasing the things that are stuck and trapped in our body, right? Through sound breath movement. Those are the three ways that you release sound, breath, or movement. When we release those things, everyone started of breath work. Breath work's one way, not the only way. I was someone who was afraid of breath work and it felt traumatizing. And guess what? I had a great coach because you know what he said to me? that don't do it. Uh, I wasn't ready. It took almost six to eight months of working with him before I was ready for breath work. So breath work is one of the many ways. It is quite powerful to get this stuff out. And why am I telling you all those details? Because when you get that stuff out, like emptying a trash can, okay, then all that mindset work that really sticks, it really starts making sense. Because you can think about things, like I said in the beginning, you can think, this makes total sense, Kara. Oh, what Jill's saying makes total sense. But yet your body is saying, but I'm not fucking doing it. Mm-hmm. It makes total sense that I don't have to hustle. Thanks for permission. But your body's like, I don't feel comfortable doing that. So your body's telling one story, and your head's telling a different one. You get to the point where your body is, is feeling that. And that's what embodiment means. Your body feels safe and is feeling that and then you move through the world differently. I don't have to think about not being reactive when Kara says something to me and it triggers me and hurts my feelings. I don't have to go breathe, breathe, think about it, think about it, don't be offended, don't be offended, you're not a little girl. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. My body now is to the point where it's like, you're safe. She's not
0: a threat. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love your explanation of it and the way that you talked about, you know, just getting into your body. I I worked with a coach, actually, Kara, She was the first one who introduced me to somatic um, body work. And she would be like, where do you feel that in your body? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't feel anything like I'm crying right now. What do you mean? (laughs) And it was so like I was so detached from my body and didn't realize. But our body's giving us signals every single day and we're just ignoring them. So as you were working with that coach, because I really want to dive in a little bit to your um, your story with your marriage You started working with this coach. Can you give us like a little history on like your marriage and what, what that did for your marriage? Because you said you weren't struggling, you guys had a great marriage. And I think that this is kind of a misconception of, you know, people think, well, I'm going to go to a therapist when I, when we have problems, or I'm going to go, you know, do the work when we have problems, when really we should be doing it when we're in a good place, because there's so much more out there and so much more possibility in our marriage when we can actually come in with two whole people and do the work.
1: Yeah, and I again, you don't need a plug for me, but I highly recommend the work you and your husband are doing with couples because, you know, it marriage is wonderful and it is hard. It doesn't have to be like oh, this is draining and awful, but it's hard to keep a marriage alive and to keep growing and 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 not just numb your way through and say, well, we're in it for the long haul. Let's grit it out. That's easy, even though it's painful. It's easy. What's hard is oh, I'm gonna feel the stuff. We're gonna talk about it. I'm gonna listen to what he has to say. I'm gonna. I'm gonna show empathy and I'm going to affirm his words. It's like that kind of stuff was so hard for me. I hear what you're saying. (laughs) All the nonviolent communication stuff that I learned when I was certified. I was like, oh yeah, never doing that. (laughs) (laughs) But I recommend it for so many reasons. So for us, we had a lot of moving parts that maybe some people can't relate to. Just swap out your moving parts for mine. We were blending two families, second marriage, horrible statistics for second marriages. Passionate, madly in love, best friends. We knew each other since high school, by the way. Went to high school together, graduated together, married other people for 18 years. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And then he ended up setting me up with somebody and I'm like, no, I'd rather have you. So um, we are best friends, all the good stuff, great foundation, same values, all of that. And even though I say we weren't struggling, we were bumping heads. And here's one reason. He was very much a uh, when I'm not illogical, but he was a very much logic brain person. I was a very feeling person. And that those are like two puzzle pieces that don't quite match. And so he didn't understand my communication and things that that I was trying to say and express or my needs. I didn't get his. I thought he was insensitive. He thought I was like drama. He didn't use that word. I'm just going to say that today. okay? so that was one thing. Another thing that we were coming up against, which is actually a gift, and I didn't realize it, is when you're finally feeling safe and you're finally in a strong foundational relationship where you're connected and you feel safe, your shit is going to surface. And that's the biggest thing I learned from our coach, that I finally felt safe for the first time in my life, not since the previous marriage, my whole life, the first time I really felt safe was with my husband i married to. And so guess what? All my stuff started coming up and it was coming up so it could be healed, right? So my stuff's coming up. His stuff is coming up, pushing each other's buttons so that we can heal. That's the reason, but it's, it sucks. It's not fun. So I'll give you one example. And this also goes back to the body work conversation. This is fascinating. So one example was, so in his previous marriage and my previous marriage, we never argued with our spouses ever. Our our kids never saw us argue. There was none of that stuff. So pretty chill, right? This marriage, we, we were arguing a lot. And we were both like, what the hell is going on? We thought that was a bad thing. It really wasn't a bad thing. But anyway, one example is that my husband, I had asked him a few years ago to sit down with me and do like the like New Year... Not resolution, but let's look at our new year together. And it was really important to me, more important to me than him. And he said he would. And part of that was I wanted to watch that movie, movie with Hugh Jackman, the sort of carnival circus. I don't remember what the movie is, right but it had this minute. beautiful, yes, yes, had a beautiful theme to it. And I, I wanted him to watch that with me. And so I was really excited about it. And I tend to build things up and have expectations and then have expectation hangovers. And you know, and I was disappointed all the time as a child. So I'm usually looking for someone to disappoint me and not follow through. And so I probably was setting myself up. But anyway, he said he would do it. We sat down, ready to go, and the phone rang. And it was, our, we say our kids, but it was his biological daughter. And the only reason I differentiate is because it is a different relationship. He, on the back end, had felt like he had been pushing her away her his whole life. One thing he was realizing in, in with our coach is that he had given a lot more attention to his son he had put his daughter, like, aside, 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 right? So he felt guilty about that. I was wanting him to give me all his attention. She called in last minute and said, hey, do you and Joe want to meet me and my boyfriend to go bowling? Great thing, right? But- my husband was like, sure, and hangs up. And I'm like, so long story short, what triggered me was him saying that he was going to cancel the plans, didn't ask me how I felt about it and that we were both now leaving. One, because my childhood, I didn't like a breath change. I like to be prepared for things. And as I said, I get disappointed easily. But here's the interesting part. This goes back to like things that were coming up that we didn't understand and body work. So fascinating. My response to that, Kara, was really, really, we won't judge it, but we will just say weird. <laughs> like my response was very big. It weirded me up. Okay. Because of the work we were doing with my coach, stuff was coming up that what? My body had been suppressing. It never felt safe to come out. So it was coming out. So what happened was when he stood up and we were arguing and he's like, here's the deal. I've been pushing your way for so long. You and I can do this anytime. I'm going with or without you. And when he started to put his shoes on, I started crying. And I'm not proud of how I acted. I started, it was like a toddler. I was like, you're not going. You're not. And I started like hyperventilating. And even I realized what the hell. What what I realized later with my coach was that it was triggering all my abandonment wounds from when I was a child. I did some EMDR, and three images came to my mind. The one was my dad walking down the stairs when I was 12 years old with suitcases. Parents never told me they were divorcing. He just said, I'm sorry, Jilly Bean, but I've got to go. And he patted me on the head and walked out. The second was when my oldest brother, who was like my second dad, he was 11 years older than me, got married, and I felt like he left me. The third was then my middle brother walked out holding his football when my mom and her boyfriend, who was creepy and weird and scared me, we were in the same home together, and he said, I can't live here anymore. I'm so sorry. And I said, don't leave me here. Something bad's going to happen to me. Do not leave me. And he goes, I can't stay. And he left. Those three memories were memories I had suppressed since I was a child. I did not remember them, Kara. Wow. But my husband getting up to put his shoes on to leave is what brought them up. Long story, I know, but I think it's fascinating. So why did I work with a coach? Right? Because that's the stuff that we were figuring out together. And so the the at the end of the day, what we realized, obviously as a coach, you know this, we realized that our whole coming together with a marriage coach was me working on my shit him working on his shit and then having a Zoom once a month to come together and have a meeting. But really, it was we had to each go into our own body and our own childhood and resolve things. And it's just completely transformed our entire family and our
0: marriage, our relationship, and stuff still comes up, obviously. As you were talking, I was just thinking about women in general. And I think there's so many times where we do react the way that story you were telling of that reaction and you're not proud of it. There's so many, you know, I've had so many conversations. I myself have had those situations where you're like, why am I acting like this in the moment? You know, yeah. Why am I acting like this? And this just gives and then we just chalk it up to, oh, well, it's hormones or, you know, I just was feeling crazy that day. But when in reality, it really is connected to something in the past. But if you're not informed and you're not, you know, working with somebody or even just aware that this is something maybe in your past that's triggering these emotions to come up, you're just going to chalk it to like, oh, this is who I am. Sometimes I'm crazy or it must be that time of the month. It must be hormones, right? Like All of those things. Just thinking about in a partnership and then those emotions coming up when you feel safe. I think that's such a great point for people just to know that when you... We always say this when people are joining our mastermind for the year, like, hey, you're doing great, but just so you know, everything is going to come up. And, you know, we've even had a couple of the marriages like on rocks, like we're like, what the heck? What are we doing? Like, you know, (laughs) we're thinking that as the facilitators, like, oh, my gosh, what is happening? But it is because what you're saying, like you're at a place and all of those things, it's coming up to be healed. So I think that's a great permission slip for people to know that that's that's there for a reason. Right. And I will say this, you know, no opinion on our judgment around people who divorce.
1: I'm divorced and I'm the one who asked for the divorce, by the way. And when you do feel like you found your person, one thing my husband and I did that did create a really safe container is we sealed the hatch. Like we are like, there is no escape hatch. And now that sounds like, Oh my God, you, can... we're not leaving each other. Like we will work through it. Now, out of respect for anyone in a marriage, like I was before, there was no working through that. Yeah. But you know when you know. And I, I know in this relationship, the bumps and the, the pits and all that stuff, we're never leaving each other. We're going to figure it out. But I wanted to say one thing, especially since a lot of your listeners are women, when you talked about like acting a way that we're not proud of, the one thing that I have been open about on my podcast that I think there's a lot of shame around and a lot of moms are afraid to admit this is that I would unleash on my children, Kara. I I can't even tell you the regret I have. My whole actually focus right now is how I can somehow after two years of working on this stuff, how I can really break up with the guilt and heal and forgive myself. That's my whole addiction. My whole addiction is to guilt. Whole different story. But if you're someone who's ever like really screamed at your kids to the point where you scare them or you scared yourself, I'm going to say no one ever talks about that. Uh And I felt like I was the only mom who had ever done that. I was convinced, Kara. I was the only mom who's ever done that. I have beat myself up and felt like the worst person on earth. I have cried. I have, I have grieved. I have mourned. I have apologized. I have written in a million journals. I've done breath work. But one thing I realized is that no one's talking about it. One person said to me, she reached out after listening to my podcast, and she's like, "Chella, oh my god, I do that." And I was, and honestly, I felt good, like you do, because when I did the podcast, I was honestly just admitting something i didn't really believe people would reach out carrie you would not believe number of women who reached out and said and in my story again i know it's not rational but my story was no one else does that you're too kind you would you would never do that isn't it crazy what we do to ourselves yeah now it was extreme i'm gonna say it wasn't like go around no it was screaming and raging at them and you mentioned hormones that was my prompt from god to say that I thought it was my hormones. I had really bad PMS and PMDD after my last kid. And it was so pronounced and so often that my little girl said to me, I came back crying. I'm so sorry, honey. She goes, I know, mama. It's your hormones. I know it. I know. Because I blamed it on those, but it's trauma. In- it is stuck trauma. It is stuck trauma. It is stuck trauma. Don't let anyone else tell you that that's not what it is. It is leaking Anger—it's pushing the ball under the water and subconsciously pushing the ball under the water, and then your child does something, and you think that it—that's why you're mad, and it's not why you're mad. That anger, that rage, is leaking out, and you're like bleeding on someone that didn't cut you. You've heard that saying: "Forgive yourself." Everyone does it sometimes, but I'm going to tell you, Kara, I did it repeatedly. I did it for years, and I'm not proud to say this, and I probably won't have any fans saying this. But my kids, if they were all standing behind me, they would say, we love our mom. My mom's a good mom. But yeah, it was freaking horrible. It was awful. And so I just, I've never shared that part publicly before. And I just want anyone hearing if you experienced that as a child or if you've done that to your children, it is pain that is suppressed and repressed that wants to come out. So let it out. Let it out in other ways. And you will literally never do that again to your children or your spouse, it will literally never happen again. How how would you let that out in a more healthy way? All the somatic practices. So breath work, uh, separate from that. Breath work, one of the best things is called the temper tantrum technique. And it's anger release. And it sounds so cuckoo, but it's good for everybody should do it, even if you've never screamed at anyone. So it's really hard for women to access anger. For most women, it's really hard. Like if, if, I, if you put me in a room and you said, we're going to do an anger release, I'd be like, yeah, I'm not mad about anything. I might cry a little bit, but I, it's hard for me to get angry, which is interesting because I was such an angry person. So one way to do it, you make sure you're in a safe environment, like, like your bedroom, let's say. No one's around. You want to make sure that you're not going to feel self-conscious. Lock the door. It's sometimes, well, many times very helpful to crank up music that will make you angry, like some rage kind of music, right? You get that music cranked up loud. This is the weird stuff no one wants to do, but this is the stuff that changes your life. Yep. <laughs> okay. This is the weird stuff no one wants to do, but this is the stuff that changes your life. This is why I have the most amazing life now. So I because I did this stuff and I do it. And uh, Christine Hassler gets credit for this. She taught me to take a pool noodle. You take a pool noodle and you cut it in half and you can use that. I don't use that, but that's something a lot of her clients use. And you just start punching the pillows. You start yelling you start raging and at first you feel like a maniac this is stupid i'm acting it's not real this is fake jill told me to do this and this is so dumb that's your ego your ego and your brain are going to keep trying to keep you from doing it because they want to keep you safe and safe is what's familiar and what's familiar is repressing your anger so you want to get it out and the way you get it out is you do that and you keep doing it until you access the anger it might take 30 minutes i'm telling you you're going to find it and you will want to kill that pillow you're punching, make sure you're safe, obviously, punching your pillow. You're a lot of punching like this. Here's the main thing that's very important. You can never, ever direct it towards yourself. You can't say, I hate myself. I hate that I did that. Never, ever. But you can aim it at other people. You could do a rage release about your mother-in-law, about your own child who you love. Get the anger out so that way you don't resent them. Your husband, but to even just anger in general, something that happened as a child. I hate that they did that to me, that mother effort. blah, blah. I mean, really, like using the words actually as an extra layer to anger release. Some people just punch pillows. But when you speak it out, you're releasing more. And you do that. And here's the most important part besides the fact that you can't turn it on yourself. You can't just you got to close the loop. You can't just end it there. Once you're exhausted and you'll be exhausted, then you're going to cry you let the crying out, you let the crying out. If you want to change the music, to something soft or just turn the music off. The last part is you have to then add pleasure and comfort. You're going to comfort yourself. You're going to hug yourself. Again, sounds weird. Who cares? If this gives you the life that you want, just do it. Comfort yourself. Love myself. You're okay. I'm safe. I'm safe. I'm safe. I'm safe. It's okay. And then go get like a really nourishing piece of like fruit, like a peach or an apple, or whatever, and you just eat it slowly, drink a cup of tea, maybe take a bath. And if you do that once, it makes a difference. If you do it once a month, it's completely transformative. You'll come back to Kara and you'll go, this is what's weird. I did that and I wasn't thinking of anything. I was just being that. But the weird thing, Kara, is that like two or three months later, my mother-in-law said the thing she always says, and I swear to God, I didn't react. Uh, Why? because your body's not reacting yes because so you've about it to
0: release um yeah. so, it's so interesting so I, w- I wish you know i have regrets as a parent as well if my kids are older at, at, just as yours are and learning this stuff later on in life you know my middle son would have he would be angry when he was little he would get really angry and i would just be like you have an anger problem go to your room whereas today if that Man. happens you know i just feel like ah, oh, i wish i could rewind and and Bring, bring him back to that place. But today I would be like, Hey, here's a pillow. Go to your room and just punch it out. Like, go release. Or I'd get him a punching bag in the garage. I would do something like that. But, you know, just permission for parents. If you have a child that's reacting like that, they're just like us, right? Like, they're just little humans and they need to release those emotions too. They do. And let's talk about that for a second. So when you look at a toddler, what is a temper tantrum?
1: A temper tantrum is a toddler releasing feelings without you telling him they can't. Yeah. You look at my grandson. He just did it a couple days ago. He's three and he, I don't know what was going on with this puzzle or whatever he was doing and he just went, I won't do it, but he went. Huck. And it was like this, what that? And I'm like, let him do it. Uh-huh. He's getting it out. But what do we do? Don't do that. Stop doing that. Why would you act like that? Don't act like that. You can't yell like that. So we teach them at a young age and we were taught as a young age, Psh, stuff it down. Psh, stuff it down so you just let it out let him let it out if you look at a deer in the woods right someone shoots a gun what does the deer do it gets startled and then it goes over and it shakes Mm -hmm. why does it shake because it's getting the trauma out of its body Mm -hmm. we don't naturally do that we do when we're little and then people tell us not to (laughs) yes so yeah and and just compassion for you i'm going to be your friend now and say you know it. you did what you knew to do and you were being such a great mom at the time and now you do know better and you could even go back to him and say, Remember when I used to say that to you? I know better now and I'm sorry. And your anger isn't a problem. It's actually a really good thing. And I, you know, I'm sure you have done that. But thank you for saying that though, too, to help me realize I'm not the only one who's done that.
0: No. Yeah. Thank you so much. I just this conversation has been so good. You are such a gift to the world. I know you that you know that, but just being in this conversation, there's not many times where I'm interviewing somebody and I'm like, so I've just drawn in. Like I, I want to do like four more episodes with you because you're just, uh, I mean, obviously I'll just listen to your podcast because you're just so amazing in the way that you explain things and the way that you, the compassion you have for other people and the vulnerability that you share is just something that most people aren't willing to go to. And so I just want to honor you and thank you for being who you are in this world because you are such a light. And so you bring yeah. so much warmth and comfort to people and just meeting you. I could just so feel- appreciate that. Yeah. I can just feel it. So I just want to throw some random questions at you. Really. Yeah. Quick down for okay, that. Okay, ready. Is there anything that you do in your marriage that's a habit or something that keeps you alive besides the somatic work? Something I do in my
1: marriage that keeps the marriage alive or like yeah. me as a, okay, the marriage alive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, one thing that I do, I can't take credit. I was taught to do this and I learned to do this is looking for evidence to remind me of what I want in my husband. So when I go to criticize him or I'm pissed off about something or even just like me, I don't like that or whatever, I stare at him and I think to myself, he's this and he's this. And then I look for evidence like a detective. The rest of the day, I collect evidence to prove the belief that he is loyal, that he does take care of me, that he does care. And then evidence is there every time.
0: Wow. That is such a good takeaway. I love that one. Um, if your 15-year-old self was sitting in front of you right now and she saw this life that you've created and all the work that you've done, what would she have to say to you? Oh, I'm going to cry. Oh. So
1: I tried to take my life when I was 15. And um, it's, it's interesting because looking back, like I've thought about doing an episode and like, what would I tell my younger self? Because I see that on social media. And I've never gone there because I think it's so hard for me, but... I, I would say to her that you are right, that these people shouldn't be doing this to you, that you didn't deserve any of what has happened to you. It's not your fault. I would say to her, you are not alone and that, um, you think that, like, you're praying to God all the time. But, but God is watching every move of this and you're, you're being prepared for something so big. And this is why you're going through this, but it's okay to say that it hurts Dinner. and life is
0: going to be so wonderful one day. Wow. Oh, I love that so much. So good. If you got any value out of this podcast episode with Jill, please share it on Instagram and share some of your takeaways. Make sure you go subscribe to her podcast. This is one that you're going to want to listen in on every week. Because she just is incredible. And I know you got value out of this. So you're definitely going to get value out of her podcast. So thank you so much, Jill, for all of your wisdom and for sharing who you are with the world and with my audience. I truly feel honored. I'm so honored. Thank you truly for taking a shot
1: and having me on here. And thank you to who is listening. And I really do appreciate you highlighting my podcast. It's something I'm very passionate about. And I. I do feel like I'm I'm making a difference in the world and I'm grateful for the work that you're doing because I don't do any coaching and I'm grateful there are people like you and your husband who are really helping
0: people. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to Marriage, Money and Mayhem. I would love to connect with you. For more of these conversations, join me on Instagram at Kara underscore Ayala and text the word podcast to If you got value out of this episode, please leave us a five-star written review so more people can hear this message.